The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. Hello. Excellent. Uh, Today we are talking all things Battleground and Grave Peril. So we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the new Dresden Files book, Battleground, and spoiler-free, how we're finding it so far. Uh, I've just finished it, and Rob is a good third of the way through, I think. Bye. Um... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, just cut that out when I... And then, yes, we're going to be covering uh, the Dresden Files Book Club. Uh, chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Grave Peril, the third book in the Dresden Files series. So lots and lots of good stuff. Juicy chunks for all of you. Maybe you shouldn't describe them as juicy chunks. <laughs> uh, so, first, with Paranetworking, Battleground. How are you finding it, Rob? Um, well, I'm still really, really early on. Like, I think I'm chapter 13. Um, cool. I mean, c- kind of like we said regarding Peace Talks, it follows on basically from the last page. Which I mean is is expected with the whole. It was originally meant to be a singular novel. Um, I know it, you, you're kind of left. I'm left with that feeling of immense dread <laughs> that was there <laughs> from the end of Peace Talks. So, and I think, I mean, not much has happened yet. It's been like a few, a few moments, but I know there's. I guess everything, all the predictions that we were coming up with going into it are now on my mind heavily. So I'm a bit like (laughs) listening to it and reading it and just rocking back and forth being like, oh God, and just waiting to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, Um, So we're finished it. How, how have you found the book? Yeah, so I uh, so we're currently on the uh, Battleground has been out for a couple of days. Uh, we're on the Friday after it has come out. Um, we're putting this out next week, and then we'll be doing a Battleground podcast. Hopefully, Battleground podcast. Hopefully, towards the end of next week, it'll get out to you guys. Um, so yeah, uh, I so I got it on. I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday sounds right. I know it was the day I had my yeah. first full day of lectures, and I was like, ugh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I, I absolutely barreled through it. Um, it is... the I Like, urban fantasy has been done before, like... Uh, with like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Harry Potter, whatever, whatever you want to uh, throw out, but um, it has never been done on. I, I've never seen a a war done in epic fantasy in, in urban fantasy uh, like this. Um, this feels it feels very very uh, 
Avengers Endgame. Um, yeah. I could definitely see that there's a lot of comparisons to that. Um, but I'm 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 a bit speechless. Uh, it's a, it's a bit hard to process, but there is uh, there is a lot of major character moments uh, and twists that mm. I was not expecting. Um, I did not think it was possible to write a thirty-plus uh, chapter book that was wall-to-wall action. Yeah. Um, because I, I thought that you would just kind of numb to it, and I and I have seen some people's criticisms of Battleground already that they that they did numb to the the constant action, but me personally, I, um, I felt like it did a really good job of, uh, constantly like raising the stakes and then throwing curveballs, raising the stakes, like. And and it felt it it felt a lot like uh, Peter Jackson's interpretation of Helm's Deep in that there was like a, a movement to the battle, um, like there's, there's these like big key moments, um, like I feel like the way that Jim Butcher does this, uh, does uh, does this novel really like. You can chart out the entire battle from start to finish across this one night in Chicago, um, and see like exactly where it moves to and the different turning points and why this is a turning point and what these things mean. Um, as someone who loves the the B characters of the Dresden Files, uh, this is an absolute delight for that. Oh my goodness. Uh, everyone gets their moment to shine and there are moments that are very predictable that we have always wanted to see and uh, finally get to. And then there are moments that made me go, Oh my God, (laughs) Uh, that's insane. Um, And the ramifications of it are going to be felt in the rest of the series at the very least. Um, I did get the feeling going on from this book that we're going to be going into this is like um this is the 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 last kind of coming together of all of the magical community against a an external force whereas i think what what we're going to be seeing after this um is more the breakdown of that community as there are already cracks showing um obviously there's the different like magical houses courts councils various things all vying for power um and by the end of this book it is very very clear that those factions are all scared um, nervous and ready to make some really big power plays. And so I think that while, for instance, Dresden is working alongside Marcone, Mab, Lara Wraith, um, the Swords of the Cross and stuff, um, 
I think in the future, it's going to be a lot more about like all of these forces not being able to work together, them all being at loggerheads, and then there being a big threat um, that they that they could only fight together. Um, there's also just some great moments of like describing power levels that we haven't seen before um, that uh, just absolutely blew, blew me away. Like there's a there's a fight between uh, immortal beings um and that is incredible i really enjoyed that um and uh yeah i like the uh the other thing that i i'll say is that this book um definitely had it had one moment that made me very teary uh and w one moment that made me uh i got very very close to looking up some a synopsis of the book to see if what was happening was something concrete or if it was like an illusion or something uh and i won't spoil whether it is or it isn't but that is a bit that i was like oh my god i need to know right now uh, <laughs> uh because uh it really fucked with my head um the final encounter of the book um, is incredible. And what that's setting up, oh my God, uh, the magical community is going to have a lot on their hands in the next couple of years. Um, I'll also say, I don't know if you're aware of this, Rob, but the last chapter of the book is actually a separate short story. Oh, I, I did not know that, no. Um, so it's um the the night of christmas after the battlegrounds oh Battleground. wait i did know that because apparently like someone was telling this on, to me on a uh, twitter recently um mm -hmm. like on the paranet twitter especially uh i can't remember what it was i posted or what it was they exactly said but they were like oh i'm guessing you haven't read the uh christmas short story that was posted about two years ago and i was like no <laughs> clearly not but um yeah i mean i i so i am aware of it and i found it quite interesting that it was published because i think i remember it being published it was um it must have yeah. been Christmas, uh, 20 either 2017 or 2018 i'm not sure i was fully into the series at that point but either way it's it's interesting that it was released before either battleground or peace talks yeah so the uh there was like a, a bit where like um harry's talking to molly carpenter and uh she's like oh here's the um here's this thing that we promised you um back during the peace talks and harry just says i don't want to talk about the peace talks and that that's kind of what's mentioned there but there's lots of little bits in that story that uh, relate to things that happen during peace talks. I, I yeah. guess that's the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but that that's it's a really nice, sweet note to end things on. Um, the final thing that I, I it, it was uh, Christmas Eve, twenty nineteen. It feels like um, it was longer so than that, but 
whatever. Uh, oh, maybe not. Um, yeah, it might be older. Uh, I've just got it up on the on the site, so I'm just double checking for us. That's fine. So that we don't say anything inaccurate and get our wrists slapped by Jim Butcher. Uh, it is. It was 2018. Uh, that that makes more sense because I'm I'm sure it was the year that uh the second uh book of short stories came out, and I was going to read it yeah. because it came up on like Christmas around Christmas time, and then I saw like in the comments people were like, oh, it's it's it like you know, it's not only set after <laughs> these thoughts, it's pretty far down the line from where I was at the time, so I was like, nah, I will have no. Yeah. what's going on so um what i will say is that it's is there's an illustrated edition on jim butcher's site um if you get a chance to look at that it's got some absolutely gorgeous illustrations um mm. that that yeah just just definitely go and check that one out and um if you have kids around and you haven't shown them any Dresden stuff yet. This is probably one of the most kid-friendly Dresden bits that you could throw in uh, that they'd probably that I think they'd enjoy. Um, yeah. Uh, so the last thing I'm going to say is that my my top moment in the book uh, so far is Molly Carpenter's introduction in the battle. Um, it is absolutely amazing uh and i was going on like a quite a long walk while i was listening to it and i just stopped away yes <laughs> uh so that yeah that did it for me uh and i'm sure uh, i'm sure it'll do it for you too reading it um yeah i don't really want to say much else because there's there's just too much that i could give away yeah uh, both to you and to the listeners so i'm just trying to keep it super vague <laughs> Fair enough. I, I mean, you've been very vague so far, so. Yeah. Though anyone that's read it will will know, I think, what I'm talking about uh, with all all those moments. Um, yeah. And uh, when we go into our spoiler cast, I've got, I have a couple of theories already on things that happen in the book, um, and some bits that I want to talk about, and. Yeah. Phew. Um, that yeah, that, it just brilliant. Anyway, um, moving away from Spoiler Town, <laughs> um, let's go to the Dresden Files Book Club, and we've got some meaty chapters today. We do. Um, so. Last time on the Dresden Files Book Club, uh, we had uh, uh, kind of some connecting tissue, I guess, between uh, set pieces as uh, Dresden had uh, a dream about his godmother torturing him uh, and then uh, went with Michael to uh, St. Mary of the Ancients, uh, the church of father fort hill who was a kind of uh paranormally aware priest i guess is the best way to put it uh harry and michael made a plan uh 
to track down Lydia, who had snuck out of the church, uh, and find out what was going on with the spirits of Chicago. The first step, uh, at least on Harry's side of the plan, was to go uh, visit an ex-ectomancer by the name of Mortimer Lindquist, um, a kind of uh, chubby uh, coward of a man, I suppose, um, who was leaving town because he believed something big was coming and he did not want any part in it. Uh, Harry interrogated him, uh, uh, flashing the name of the White Council around, um, and found out that the barrier between the Never Nether and the mortal realm is weaker than ever before. Mort uh, left, but gave Dresden all of his notes on uh, the ghostly happenings of Chicago. Uh, Harry returned to his apartment, but was met by two cops, Rudolph and Stallings. Uh, the they basically said that Murphy needed Harry and Harry uh, dropped everything and joined them. They went to a house with another one of Murphy's cops, Malone. There they found a bunch of dead animals littering the garden, um, making it look like something big had come along and just immediately snuffed out all of these tiny lives. Uh, chapter 12 came around uh, and Dresden explained about asking to enter a home uh, that if uh, a home not not a house but a home that has had emotional energy put into it um, and um, hasn't been constantly crossed uh, uh, the threshold of which hasn't constantly been crossed by strangers um, it extremely weakens both his power and the power of many monsters um, as basically the defense of, of uh, a thoroughfare um, takes away his power. He has to kind of push through it to get into the house. And um, so uh, the cop Malone, his partner, uh, let him in. Uh, Dresden found Malone chained to a bed and Murphy trying to help him very much the exorcist uh, sort of thing and surprising uh, surprising no one Malone appears to be possessed Dresden asks to be left alone with Malone and that is where we ended last week uh, Rob do you want to take it from there yeah so chapter 13 we're alone with Malone <laughs> um, so yeah, Harry um, inspects Malone trying to pick up different kinds of energy um, and he confirms at least it's from a spell which rules out the whole possession thing um, I mean it's quite I mean I absolutely loved this chapter um, while, while Harry's busy inspecting Malone for like any tomfoolery uh, Malone like he 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 like kind of lunges, I guess, <laughs> as best he can to kind of take a bite out of Harry. Which, I mean, I think if I remember right, he was tied down a bit too much that he wouldn't have got him anyway. But either way, mm. Harry kind of like jumps back a bit, as in you know, as anyone would in that situation. And um, Malone just continues to laugh like manically, and. What follows is Harry opens up his wizard site, which I think is the first time we've had that since Stormfront. I, I can't remember if we had it in the previous book, but it's kind I of... I can't a, remember a scene with it. 
Yeah, nor can I. Um, I mean, I just about remember it in Stormfront, and even then, I'm not even sure. I might have just made that up. Um, hmm. But yeah, he opens up his wizard site, which, for those who need a reminder, uh, reveals spells, enchantments, and you know shows demons and angels for what they really are. And no, no matter what you see through the wizard site, it will always kind of stay with you. So if if it's something really disturbing, it's just going to be there at the forefront of your vision whenever you close your eyes. You're always going to have it on your mind. It, I mean, it's very much a double-edged sword in like his uh, wizarding arsenal. Um, yeah, something I've always wanted to see with that. Um, maybe this is something more for the breakdown. I, I'll just throw it in now. Something I always want to see with that is I wish that there, that there was a point where we got like Harry dreaming or something and just got a bunch of flashes from his previous uses of the wizard site. I'd like that. Because, I mean, it like, like, like we were saying, the amount of disturbing shit he must see anyway. Like, yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't even mind, like, like you say, either some kind of dreams for it or, or if we have like a short story that's just wedged in somewhere where like, as part uh, as like being associated with the White Council, he has to have like some kind of therapy session like every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what do you see when you close your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the screaming faces of the innocent. Is it? Yes, we get that one quite a lot. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, quite <laughs> common amongst the uh, wizards. <laughs> But um, yeah, he, he he opens his wizard site, and we see that Malone's soul has been absolutely ravaged. Like chunks of flesh are missing, uh, covered in blood and all that kind of shit. Um, and I think what point some something that's immediately pointed out as being very reminiscent of the case of Agatha Agilthorn is the, uh, the the barbs of black wire that are kind of wrapped around bits of his flesh and are prying them and kind of like proper like wedged into him um malone no longer looks possessed he looks in pain and he is breathing the words very quietly it hurts which if you listen to james master's narration sounds it, it's very haunting and eerie more eerie than my attempt just then um, I, I mean, yeah. I, I found that angry. Cool. I, I, I tried, but I didn't want to try too hard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, in any case, Harry starts pulling the wire out, and the, the wire resists, and the more he tries to pull it out, the further it pulls on Malone's flesh. Um, and this is a bit I found quite interesting, is that the barb light then kind of plunges out and kind of like it kind of just pierces like I know it's like the barb has a mind of its own I don't know how to describe it it just kind of like lashes out at Harry and like plunges into his throat whipping and thrashing like some kind of weird I don't know snake like creature I guess I know snakes mm-hmm. aren't for doing that but anyway um, he, he, he manages to restrain it and he's like on the floor kind of wrestling this like barbed wire. And then we hear footsteps and Murphy like barges into the room. And it is without a doubt my, my like this is why Grave Peril is one of my favourite books in the series. 
Um, we see Murphy through Harry's wizard sight, seeing her for who she really is. Her eyes are living flames, a blazing sword in hand, shining brightly with radiant light and anger. Um, and yeah, Harry's you know, wriggling around on the floor with this wire coming out of his throat, and he ma he manages to pull it out, like jerks it out of his throat, and like he throws it out the window, and then you know blows it to smithereens with the uh, Fuego spell. Um, and Malone's fever, you know, upon upon losing the barb, his fever fades away. I mean, he's still incredibly exhausted and drained. And you know that, like, it's clearly a traumatic experience for him. But the pain is over. That ordeal now has at least come to an end. Harry vows to find out who the culprit is, and we refer to the culprit as the Nightmare. And he vows to find them and kill them. Um, and again, the, the kind of thrown back to what just happened, Murphy comments on, on how, like, you know, what you had your wizard sight on, what did you see when I entered the room? Because you were just staring at me like a slack-jawed idiot. And, and Dresden's mm -hmm. just like, I, I don't know what you mean. And then it just carries on. Um, <laughs> and then we roll into the next chapter. Harry uh, contacts uh, Michael, and he, he kind of fills him in on everything that's going on. He fills him in on the um, the conversation with Mortimer getting Mortimer's contacts and all that kind of stuff. The whole business with Malone just now on the barbed wire. Ugh. And while this is going on, Susan starts questioning Harry about a previous case that he, he worked with Michael. Like a few, I think it was a few months before. I can't remember if it specified the exact kind of time frame. Mm -hmm. But um, he ends up, he, she's questioning him about a case with Michael, and, and the case was that they subdued a magic user that goes by the name of Kravos, Leonard Kravos. Um, and she, she's trying to get the details, you know, because she's working on like, like an article or some shit. But um, yeah, I mean, that I felt like that was worth pointing out for later. Um, uh, Harry then goes to consult with Bob, who I think he was... I, I can't remember if this has already happened or if I'm just making it all up again, but it's hard to tell because Bob does this quite a lot in the early books. But Bob is very reluctant <laughs> to help. It's kind of a like, oh, clearly shit's going down, so maybe, uh, maybe you should lie low, get out of town for a while. Um, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's a really cool section here where Harry like basically tricks Bob into helping by framing it more as like an academic question. Yeah. Um, I mean, with, with that, there is another thing that I liked, and it's mentioned in I want to say Ghost Story, no, Cold Days, and it, it's something that obviously I didn't pick up on first time around, but um. He, Harry blackmails Bob into mentioning that he's in trouble with uh, Mab, but not doesn't refer to her as yeah. Mab. Because you're in, you know, I know you're in trouble with the Winter Queen. It would be a shame if she got her hands on you, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, yeah. uh, that's that's a thing. Because in cold days, like Bob freaks out when Harry shows up, knowing he's the Winter Knight and all that shit. Uh, spoiler. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I. I can say that that is something that is mentioned in Battleground. Good. <laughs> uh, Bob, 
Bob and the Winter Queen and their, their relationship. Awesome. Um, and yeah, they, they begin to focus on the whole barbed wire spell that are tearing up ghosts and bypassing thresholds. And th- this is why Bob's concerned with it. Um, and he urges Harry to leave it alone, you know. You, you take a break. You, you need one. Um, and yeah, the next chapter's kind of following on from that. It's it's all very much the same conversation, or it may as well be. Uh, Bob's continuing to turn Dresden away from the case, you know, like basing it on the whole thing where the nightmare crossed a threshold and didn't lose any power. It still managed to do what it did to Malone and his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a threat here. Um, they determine they try to figure out what it is, and they determine that whatever it is, it can't be a ghost. It can't be an old one, since there are no creatures that can cross a threshold without leaving a chunk of its power at the door. Um, I, I, I like that the old ones are mentioned, because I feel that's kind of relevant to what's going on in the series right now. Um, it's also Dresden kind of ponders if it can bypass thresholds, maybe it can bypass my you know bracelet of prote- protection, the very bracelet he gave to Lydia. Um, at this point, Harry decides he's going to search for Lydia. He gets Bob on it as well. You know, take a ride in Mister. If you find her, let me know. Don't do anything. Don't get in trouble. And then we go into chapter sixteen, the most action-packed chapter so far. Spoiler for mm-hmm. novels. Um, so yeah, Dresden's searching for Lydia, trying to determine whether or not she's a friend or a, pardon me, or a foe. Um, he draws like a magic... I uh, can't even speak at the moment. Harry draws a magic circle to track the bracelet he gave Lydia, and he confirms that she's nearby. Um, he, he follows the trail, which leads him to like some derelict-looking garage, or garage, depending on how you want to say it. Um, he breaks inside, and, you know, breaking break and entering is always wrong, and it, we come across, like, this parked van, and he, he slowly approaches the van, like, blasting rod in hand, ready for, like, shit to go down. And there's this bundle of blankets in there, and I can't remember if, he's des- if it describes them as, like, the bundle of blankets are shaped as a person or if he just says Lydia shape Um, but either way he like pulls the blankets back and it's revealed to be Lydia Um, her pulse is slow and we find out that she's drugged and Harry realises that he's just walked in to like a trap this is a distraction he's hit and thrown Mm -hmm. into the van by Kyle Hamilton one of the red court vampires um and then we go into like some massive fight scene where like he punches him harry punches kyle with like the kinetic ring and uh, we'll come back to the kinetic ring and the notes because it's one of my favorite toys from the dresden files um yeah it kind of like smashes off like lumps of flesh from the vampire's human suit so he starts kind of turning into that grim disgusting leathery beast we see in the first book um Harry retreats, manages to put some distance between him and Kyle, and he extends his shield. And this is where Kelly Hamilton appears. And she wants, unlike Kyle, she wants to eat Dresden. And at this point, Kyle states that, you know, this has nothing to do with you, wizard. 
and it's it's very much implied that they're not trying to lure him out at all. It has nothing to do with Harry. Um, but in any case, Harry uses a uh, fuego, his fire spell, and sends Kelly like flying like through walls and all that kind of shit. Um, and you know, it burns her cloak and all that kind of bullshit. Um, she kind of like gets the drop on Dresden, and some of her saliva touches him. Which and I completely forgot about this. It numbs him and makes him, for lack of a better, wo- for lack of a better word, it makes him feel stoned. Um, yeah, it uh, kind of mongs him out. Yeah, like, oh man, um, the building around them starts to collapse because you know a fire spell is going to do that. It's still doing its thing. It's still burning. Uh, the vampires retreat in the van, all villainy like shaking their fists and shouting, you will pay for this, Harry Dresden. And they fuck off. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. How did you find so... them? <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so, the fight with the White Court vampires, not White Court vampires, Red Court yes. um, vampires, I keep thinking white court because of the tennis outfits. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I know what you mean. It seems too casual for the red. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, the fight with the red court vamps, um, I found fine. It it was a bit on the lower end of, like, Dresden fights for me personally. I, I just, I don't know. They're just kind of background villains. But... Uh, the big uh, standout for me in this was the encounter with Malone. Um, Something I really like about Dresden Files is that Jim Butch does a really good job of mixing it up between a straight-up situation where Harry has to just hit something really hard and fight, um, and then situations that require more kind of like finesse and are more puzzly. Um... And uh, we really see this here, like this situation with the barbed wire um, running through Malone is so tense as he's like talking. He he goes into like really agonizing detail about ripping this barbed wire through the flesh of Malone and how Malone's screaming in agony and how... um, and then Dresden realizes that the barbed wire is then going into him, and it's like, oh my god, it's just so tense. Um, and uh, and the great thing is, um, I feel like Jim almost uh, rewards us here. Yeah. Uh, like we have this moment that's really agonizing and really like, oh, and then Murphy comes in, and we see this vision of Murphy. Um, and, and there's a bit of like, uh, I almost feel like Jim is sitting next to you while reading the book and nudging you being like, <laughs> I've got plans for her. Um, <laughs> cause it's like, this is her potential. This is what she could become. Yeah. Um, and I, you just, you, you see that and you go, Oh my God, Murphy is going to be amazing in the future. She's going to do so many cool things. Uh, and as someone that's right up to date with the series, I can tell you Murphy does a shit ton of cool things uh, <laughs> in her time. 
Um, and is definitely, oh my goodness, yes. Uh, she lives up to that vision of herself. Um, and, and I think it's it's an image that people, fans of Murphy, keep going back to uh, this Biff Gray Peril image um, uh, on Reddit and Twitter and stuff. Uh, and, and it's very well deserved. Um, the So, I, yeah, I really, really enjoy that scene. It feels very like it's it's an encounter that Dresden hasn't really had before. It's fun in like a it's so tense kind of way. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it gets a, we get a bit more time with the the uh, special investigations lot, which um, they're really big in the next couple of books. So it's important. I can understand why it was important to get more time in with them. Um. The stuff on Kravos, um, personally, knowing a little bit of where this goes, uh, again, it's been a long time since I've read it, as we always say, um, but I I think I would have tried to have got the Kravos stuff in earlier. Yeah, chapter fourteen seems a bit too late to be starting yeah, it, to put it in. It feels a bit wedged in from where it is. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just because we're aware of that. It's something. It's it's a bigger point than yeah. it's made sound like, but it just felt like it was the wrong place to put it. I feel like the best place to have done it would maybe have been at the very start when he's introducing Michael to like his close working colleague or whatever. Yeah. But maybe not even drop the name of Kravos, just be like, oh, we, we did a case a while back where we got some magic user doing, like, some weird shit. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, maybe when, maybe when, like, Susan picked him up from the police station, she was asking about who Michael is. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that might have been a good place. But... Um, it it works uh, well enough. I always enjoy a good Harry and Bob scene, uh, and like I say, the way that Harry plays Bob, um, he basically says that like whether Bob's going to help him or not, he's going to do this. But uh, a poor, mentally inept wizard like Harry will have no chance against such a fearsome creature without the help of a wise uh, intellectual powerhouse. Uh, like the the elemental of air residing in the skull, listening in on this conversation right now, uh, and it just completely works on Bob. Uh, <laughs> he can't help himself. Um, which I, I yeah, that's something I love about Bob. And when he's like a, something that I feel the Dresden Files TV series got really wrong was they didn't really make him a spirit appearance. Let they more made him. It played more into the side of him that's like curious about humans and especially like uh I guess like the, the erotic romantic side of things. Um yeah. but I when when Jim goes after the more like Bob as an intellectual side, is the times that I really like Bob probably more. And also I guess he's less problematic <laughs> in those times. Um yeah. Uh so, how did you find it, Murph? Um, I mean, like, like I, like I said while I was doing the uh, chapter summary for this week, the scene with the 
barbed wire and Murphy running in was probably the moment that I completely fell in love with the series. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I remember I was reading that while on the train going to work. And I remember messaging you on Facebook being like, oh my god, this bit just happened. Blur. And you were like, blur. And yeah. Um, it's oh. And I, it just makes me wish that, I mean, Murphy still has loads of cool moments throughout the series. And I mean, I'm not up to date with Battleground, but man, like, I always feel that despite whatever she does in terms of badassery, I always feel she's still a tiny bit underused. Mm-hmm. And, eh, I don't know. But, I mean, either way, that whole that whole scene was incredible, and I loved it. And I loved the whole scenes with Malone and the barbed wire, finding out what that was. It was just chef's kiss. Mwah. It's the part I love yeah. most about Dresden Files, and weirdly, I would take that kind of stuff over any of the fighting, I think, any day. But, yeah. That's not to say I don't like the fighting, because, like I said, my favourite Dresden ploy is the uh, kinetic ring. And Yeah, so so why is that your favourite toy? Um, Do you want to explain what it is first, I guess? Yeah, because I don't think we went into that. Uh, basically, he, he has like a kinetic ring, and the, the reason behind it is that it stores uh, kinetic energy. Is it kinetic energy from just arm and hand movements from whichever hand he wears it on? I believe so. Yeah, I couldn't remember if, if, it, if it was that or if it was just movement in general. But um, I, think, it stores, I think it's just his arm. Yeah, yeah. It, it stores up a little bit of kinetic energy um, from very, you know, just from moving around. Um, and then he can let that all loose in like one well as we see in like one punch um and yeah it's 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 something that recurs throughout the series and i love it because he uses it against so many different enemies and there there are points where he uses it and it breaks his knuckles and shit like that or or like it just does nothing to the enemy and then you get like later in the series like around the time of maybe changes i think where like to keep the charge active, he, he I think he starts like practicing boxing and stuff like that while wearing the ring, just so it gets more and more charge. But yeah, I love it. It's... There's a couple. There's a couple of different like variations on it because I think at one point he wears like um, a set of five rings that each do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, like you say, it is just absolutely awesome. Like if I could have one thing from the Dresden Files universe, it'd be that. And I mean, I don't go around punching people a lot, so it, it means that the one time that I would get in a bar fight, I'd be very useful for just one hit. I, I think what that's kind of what's cool about it is that it's a great weapon for someone who doesn't doesn't fight very often, isn't a physical fighter, but just needs to get one hit in occasionally. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think Jim Butcher is really smart with a lot of the powers that he gives out to a lot of his characters. Um, and this is one of them. I think it's it's a really cool tool because it essentially gives. It's like um, it's a one use deal, so there's a limitation to it, which I I appreciate. 
Yeah. Um, something I did want to mention, and I, th- I think I said it as I was reading it out, I completely forgot about the vampire saliva being a narcotic. Um, I assume you forgot yeah. about that. But I, I wondered what you thought of that, because I only really remember it being such a big deal in this book, and I think in future books it's just a kind of oh yeah, don't let them like dribble on you or something stupid like that. Um, so Dresden does joke about it with Susan at the beginning of this book, and it's mentioned very briefly in uh, Stormfront because Bianchi uses it to like placate one of her subjects while she like drains her blood, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it um, it's a it's a weird one. I almost wonder if it was put in originally to kind of more like on the the crime detective noir scale of having like drugs and like a sexual element I guess as well mm. um to the red court because I I was I was wondering whether you could like bottle it up and like I don't know essentially like deal in red court saliva um but yeah um it's it's one of those strange ones where it becomes kind of inconvenient for it to be a major thing so uh after a while it's like oh yeah like we've all kind of just got past that addiction or or dealing with it like by the time that we get to like book 12 um no one seems to get stunned by this mm. anymore. Um, and, and I kind of get the feeling, yeah, it just kind of got left a bit because it would be really annoying if every single time the Red Court kept pulling this trick. Yeah. Um, but that being said, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's something new. It's a new power set for vampires to have, which... Um, I mean, after so many different iterations of vampires, there's not many new powers for them to have. So um, it's something like decisively Dresden Files is to have narcotic drooling vampires, which is really cool. it makes sense with how vampires are as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. A bit snake-like, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure there's something in H that does something very similar. I'm pretty sure there's a bat that can numb your foot and then uh, take blood. Probably. I'll ask Terry later on. She'll know. She'll 100% know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure how much more there is to say here. What's some of the other things that we've pulled out? Uh, so we've talked about the wizard site, we've talked about Murphy, we've talked about the bar wire spell. Uh, we've talked a bit about the red court vampires. We did say the the, the kind of like beast mode. Um, yeah. It was just kind of, I, I put that in because we'd seen it once before with Bianca, but with, with that in Stormfront, she, cha- she transformed and then Harry kind of knew it was coming. So he dealt with it quickly. Whereas in this, it was more of a, much more of a physical confrontation, I guess. Yeah, I, I think especially towards the end of this book, we get a lot more physical conversation, confrontation with vampires. So I think this sets that up nicely. Um, 
and shows that like they can play both the the kind of nimble acrobatic assassin and the big bruiser um if they need to um which makes them really interesting combatants i guess uh mm. and they they are probably one of my favorite enemies from this at this point in the series um Although that being said, the, the Denarians are damn cool. Uh, but we'll get to them in the next book. Um, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, they're fun. Uh, and um, something else that I like is that Harry kind of has the Batman thing going on here where like, if he's prepared and ready for you, he is very hard to take down. But if you take him unawares, like him walking into that trap, um, mm. he's basically just a guy against yeah. them. Uh, and it it feels like a really desperate fight here um, because he doesn't have that like preparation. He's not got his anti-vampire bat spray or whatever. Um, he's just like working back against the wall off the top of his head. Um, and I, I really enjoy Harry in those situations because, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where there's the most tension. Um, and, and I suppose while I'm not a big fan of the fight itself, I guess that's the, the best thing that comes from it is that Jim Butcher makes it a very tense fight because Harry's caught unawares. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really know that I've got much more to say about this section. It's a bit of a... It's still very much like Harry on the case. Um, I think things start to get a bit more wild and crazy as we learn about the wider story and what's going on in the next couple of chapters. Definitely. So I'm really looking forward to, to next week and the week after. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, I mean kind of the same place i guess like you say we've got a lot more coming this way and i'm remembering bits of it now and i'm getting excited so yeah the next few weeks <laughs> be great. it's a good position to be in <laughs> um in which case i guess we'll we'll call it here um uh and yeah uh i'm just gonna throw out uh a massive, massive thank you to all of you lovely, lovely listeners. Um, we are currently working on some community tools, including uh, Facebook and Patreon and all those sort of things. But in the meantime, we have just hit over 2,000 downloads, uh, which is a massive, insane number. Um Neither of us thought that we'd get more than a handful of people that'd be interested in this. And to see that we have so many fans globally um, is is incredible and something that we really want to continue to kind of encourage. Um, so we are looking at doing a Patreon, mostly to, uh, to raise funds to help us advertise, get this out here, um, make sure that we're putting this out in the best quality it can be. Um, unfortunately, I think some of the tools that we're using that were made free for the pandemic might not be free forever. So we're going to need to start looking at ways to support that. 
Um, but we also want to run a bunch of competitions and stuff. We want to uh, run competitions for short stories in the Dresden universe. We want to run competitions for Dresden fan art. We want to run competitions for cosplay. Uh, and we want a place to share all that, which is kind of what the Facebook and Twitter is all about. We've got lots and lots of really big plans for our future. And me and Rob just want to say a massive, massive thank you for all the support and encouragement so far and all of the support and encouragement I know that you guys are going to give us uh, as we as we go on forwards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is there anything you want to throw on on that, Rob? Not really. I mean, you've, you've pretty much hit it straight out the park there. So... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, then, join us. Take us out, man. Yeah. Um, as Pat said, we've got a lot of stuff coming in the pipeline. But until then, as always, share, follow, subscribe, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, email. We always reply. It may take a few hours, may take a few days, but we will reply. So you get that. <clears throat> um, yeah. Next week we'll be covering chapters. Chapters, 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 17, 18, 19, and 20. So uh-huh. put your reading glasses on, find yourself a comfortable chair or beanbag, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.